We flew home Wednesday night, got home 10 o'clock, and then Thursday morning we got in the car, the f- and we drove up there, Bethlehem, and now we're here, and in a few days' time we'll be in Kimberley, yeah. And so God, yeah, so I had to fix my car with my cell phone, because that's how you do it these days. Um, but, yeah, the Lord's, I believe he's really raising up a generation of people who will position themselves, say, here am I, Lord, use me. And I think like many of us, we don't know what that journey will look like and what it's going to end up like. You know, many of you will get married, looking around here, it doesn't look like a lot of married folk, um, but, you know, what, you, potentially you could get married, whether the Lord decides, and uh, whether that will happen, we don't know. But the thing is to position ourselves that, Lord, whatever happens, I will serve you, and I want to serve you well to the end of my life, and uh, to lay down my life to serve you. Uh, yeah, my mom just died um, recently at the age of 90, and um, she, you know, led it to the Lord shortly after I got saved in 1980, and, um, and when we sat with her, because she had a stroke in, in June, we drove up to Durban in that time as well, we spent two weeks in Durban, uh, just getting her, she was in hospital then, and, and uh, you know, we'd gone to frail care and all that type of thing, and then when we sat with her in the hospital, in intervening hospital in, in Durban, she said, why am I not dead? I want to die. I'm 90. I've done all I need to do on this earth, you know. And uh, we, we asked her, well, then, Lord, Mom, maybe there's something you need to clear, make right with the Lord before you go, you know. And she said, well, actually, there may be some people you need to forgive. And she then forgave people. She said, yes, you're right. There's some people I need to forgive. And she did. And she went to be with the Lord shortly, a few weeks later, in her peace, peaceful, in, her, in her sleep, peacefully. And but the thing is, she ran her life, you know, and she presented her life to the Lord. And don't you want to end, end your life like that, in a, in a peaceful, in a way that, Lord, I've done everything I know how. Um, how's this for an amazing uh, revelation of her life and that she got? She said to Jenny about a year or two ago, um, she said, and she, you know, God used our Jenny, myself and Jenny uh, from nothing. I mean, we, we just would you know, we've always just presented ourselves to God, and we regard ourselves as extremely ordinary and not very gifted. Uh, but, but all we did was we kept presenting ourselves to God. And uh, for 20 years, we just served and served and served. We were in business and, and worked in the corporate world and, and uh, raised three boys, oldest now is 40 years old. It's quite, uh, well, it took us a while to get over that. And, um, and, um, and about when we met Andrew Selly, who... Uh, you guys all know, I'm sure, who leads Josh Jen, who leads 412. And we met him in 99. There were 15 of us in his house. The first, he got up on that last Sunday of January and, and said, this is our first official Josh Jen meeting in his house. 15 people. Last Sunday, yesterday, we would have had 5,000 adults and 1,000 children through Josh Jen in, since 99. That's how much we've grown. Oh, that's what, how many people are... We're now 45 congregations. And so when we met Andrew, I carried on working in the corporate for another three years and then went into full-time ministry. And, and God's just used us. We, I mean, we, we can't believe it. You know, like we're most on the road now, getting around. We're in part of Josh Jen. We, we get around to the 45 Josh Jen churches or more. I don't know, Liz track. Um, and then 412, we're very involved with 412. And, and my mom said this. She said, I think my life, speaking of herself, was to give birth to you so that you could impact. See, I see now how God has used you. And um, you see, because you moved to Cape Town during COVID for those two, for two years, and then she went back to Durban 
uh, to, for her final years on this earth, final year. And isn't it amazing revelation that that's we can have in terms of our lives counting? And I mean, that's, and so is this a, been a presenting all the time, Lord, here am I. Do you want to put up uh, Matthew 28? Where's the script over there? Okay. Got to find everybody. They're all scattered around. <laughs> Matthew 28. Oh, you've done it. Well done. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So he said, go and make disciples. So that's what we, it's all about. I'm a disciple. Are you a disciple? Are you being discipled? And Jesus was discipling all of us through each other. Are you being discipled? Do you feel that you've been discipled? That you are being taught to obey all that he's commanded, as he said there? Um, are you telling are you taking, telling people of the good news? Do you feel that's what the calling on your life is? That all of us are full-time in ministry. As we are being discipled, God is saying for every one of us tonight, just re, I'm, He wants to release Himself through our lives and, ma, ma, and multiply Himself through our lives. And every one of you has been given different amount of giftings. And giftings is there to serve the body of Christ, as we know in 1 Corinthians. 12, that we all call to serve God with our gifting. So as you are being discipled, are you allowing God to use you uh, to serve the body of Christ, to, to touch the lost? Because, you know, there's three legs to our church life. One is our relationship with God. That's primary, that we all got to know, Lord, am I in relationship with you? I hope tonight everyone sitting here is born again. Because as we know, there's only one type of Christian. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. So if you're not born again, you're just a nominal uh, cultural Christian, you're bought, you think that, well, I was born in this country, I must be a Christian, and I'm a good person, I don't rob banks, or, you know, st and um, so, you know, by, by my standards, I'm a good, I must go to heaven if I die, surely. Where Jesus doesn't say that, he says, unless you, your life is covered by the blood of the Lamb, I'm using Christianese language now. Um, you know, unless we submit to his lordship and say, Lord, you came to die for my sin. I'm actually the best person on this planet. Let's say it was Mother Teresa. I don't know if she's before your, too much before your time now. Jenny said, I've got to get fresh stories. Um, but I'm still living in my youth, you see. And uh, Mother Teresa died in 1997, I think roughly around the time that Princess Diana died. So her death was a bit overshadowed. But she was known as like, and most amazing woman to the poor in India. And, uh, and if we would have to measure anybody by goodness, we would say, surely Mother Teresa. Have you all heard of her, by the way? Anybody not heard of Mother Teresa? We all have, okay. Well, you're not saying, yeah. Anybody not put their hand up if you don't know Mother Teresa? Um, anybody not put their hand up if I ask you for anything? Okay, moving on. So, you know, we often have our own standards, but God says His standard is perfection. So you guys must look, uh, how many, must, a lot of you must be students, I presume, some of you, a couple of you, and, um, you know, what's the exam pass rate? There's always a pass rate that you've got to have in order to, to, to go to the next level. But in Christianity, the pass rate's 100%, you know that. To get into heaven, you need 100%, perfection. 
100%. You cannot fail. You cannot get 99.99% that will not enough to get you into heaven. And so the only way that we can get in there, I'm just covering old ground here, just, just make, making sure we all understand what salvation is all about. We sang about grace, that Jesus came, the perfect one, and died for us, that, he, that when, when the Father looks at us, he sees perfection because of Jesus. He sees us covered by Jesus. He covers our sin. Do we aim for perfection in this life? Yes, we do. And we're going to maybe get to scripture on that and look at that. Um, but there's, a, there's an expectation that we'll walk in perfection in this life, that we will aim to be like Jesus, that we'll say, Lord, it's not enough just to be saved by grace. I want to walk in your grace. I want to walk in your power. And I want to reflect you like I'm called to reflect you. I want to be a good disciple. Disciple is a follower. They are becoming like the person they are following. So if you say you're a follower of Jesus, are you becoming like him on a daily basis? Even at my age, I still want to grow. You know, the devil is not creative. God is creative. The devil's like, you know, he's like sperm in you. He's been around forever, and he, <laughs> he works in the same pattern all the time. Um, I think sperm in you was around when I was a kid. That's just to give you a clue of how long it's been around. I don't know if they've ever changed the menu. And so he's got a set way of working. He's not creative. God is creative. So to the day I die, there's more to discover and understand about God and grow in him. And never, I don't want to ever get to the place in my life where, you know what, I think I've know, I know enough now. I think I'm pretty sorted out. I'm pretty mature. I don't need anything more from God. I'm still learning. In fact, I'm sorry, scratching the surface and in, in knowing how big he is and how amazing he is. Because the Bible says, no eyes see, no ear. No one can comprehend how big God is and how amazing He is. This is the God we serve. He's, he is phenomenal. And one of the biggest problems we have is that we look down and we see our daily situation and we get caught up in this life. Hello, Joel. And, um, and we get so caught up in this life and we, we, we lose sight of this great and amazing God. And the expectation of what He wants to do through ordinary lives, ordinary lives gets lost. And you think, no, I'm just, you know, I just work for someone. I'm, just, I'm on a career path. I'm going to university, and I'm going somewhere with my life. I mean, we've, Jenny's more clever than me. She's got a degree in zoology. And uh, that's not nothing to the zoos. I always have to just, con just confirm that. It's, um, she was a high school biology science teacher. Um, my, oldest, my oldest son's an engineer with an MBA from UCT and all that. He studied. I watched him work hard, come and sit in my at the age of 21, he got married, and, he, and, he, and she was 19, and, and at 23, phone, he said, I want to stu study further. 23, he started at UCT, in fact, he had to go to t the Technicon, what they call it, Seafoot, um, and do one year there, because his marks weren't good enough, and then he went into four years honors engineering at uh, UCT, uh, and then two years MBA when he was 30, and he had a baby. My, my, my youngest son, we phoned me today, because he's getting married um, in December, he just wants to confirm I'm doing his wedding in December when he comes out, and he's, he's getting married to a, a Russian lady. He didn't meet her online, um, <laughs> just to, um, they're, both, they're both CAs, and uh, you know, to be a, anyone going to be a CA here? Chartered accountant, anyone? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, it's hard work. Took him seven years of study, and, uh, and three years articles, and at the age of 27, now he's living in Amsterdam. And so, you know, we, there's, a, there's a place to study and to get qualifications, but th that's all your life is about. You're missing the plot, you know. And yes, go for it. Study hard. Work well. But keep that intention all the time that you're called to be a disciple. You're called to disciple others. Do you visualize yourself discipling other people? 
you believe it, that God wants to use you to disciple other people? That he wants to multiply himself through your life? Do you, do you believe that? Do you, does, it, does it on your radar that God wants to use you? Or do you say, no, nah, not me, I'm, I'm too ordinary? Well, welcome to the club, we're all ordinary. There's no superstars in the day. God's not interested in superstars. He says he calls the lowly, he calls the, the, the poor, the uneducated, and all that type of thing. And he, he calls those who, to confound the wise. And so position yourself tonight. Say, Lord, I want to present myself as one who belongs to you. John 15, verse 8, please. If you can put that up. Thanks. Listen to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's be on display. God's proud of us. I'm proud of my boys. I'm proud of them. Well done, boys. You, you've done well in life. And I want to encourage them into more. And I believe God's proud of you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, much fruit in your life, that you multiply and be bold and be courageous and take hold of the things that God's put into you. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you should be, um, you've got the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's a matter of walking in the fullness and getting yourself out of the way and just saying, Lord, use me. Every day, wake up and say, God, use me. And just in simple faith, childlike faith, and you don't have to have a plan. You don't have to understand how that's going to look. But the fact that you present yourself is, is very key, I believe, in the Lord's heart as he looks upon our lives and he sees people who just said, Lord, use me. Man, we want to take Bloemfontein for Jesus. We want to take the free state for Jesus, for his glory. 3,000 were added in one day, you know. Imagine that. Imagine as God pours himself out. And guess what? Those are just ordinary people. They were not superstars. But they just opened their hearts up, say, God, use us. But it's about positioning ourselves and being a people who in that, that place and saying, Lord, here I am. But there is a cost, and we, we've got to acknowledge that. The cost is, I need a drink of water right now. Thank you. <laughs> It's a very dry place, this, eh? We, used to, we, we just come from the, the Cape where it's quite rainy. Thank you. Is that too rainy? Um, Ma um, Matthew 16. I have Matthew 16 on. Yeah. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what he has done. That, that reward is there. It's, it's, God wants to reward us. He's, he's a generous God. He's got, he's got rewards waiting for, that, for, for them. I believe my mom is going to be in rewards now. She's in glory with Jesus right now, face to face. But there is a cost that if you come, if you are going to follow him, that you come 100%. It's something that you, you can't give partially. You can't give just a little bit and say, Lord, just take a bit of me, but not all. Because God, he doesn't... He's not pleased with that. He wants to fill us. He gave his fullness. He expects fullness back. And if there's anything in you tonight that you feel, I don't know if I trust God. I'm not sure if I want this. Maybe it's too costly. And maybe I should focus on my studies and study a bit harder and make sure that I can provide well and I'll be safe and I'll have a good job and a good career. And yeah, you can do that. But it will come at a cost because you will gain the world. And you find when you climb to the top of the ladder, 
you will find there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Nothing that can satisfy. Nothing that can satisfy like Jesus can satisfy. I know this world is full of technology and gadgets, and, and I'm, I'm very tempted about those things all the time because I enjoy engineering. I enjoy stuff and things like anybody. But we've got to guard our hearts in these things and keep a balance in, in how we live this life. Before you know it, you will be seeing Him face to face, and you won't have opportunity at that moment to, to turn things around and, and change the course of your life. So why, while we have an opportunity here tonight, make a decision to do what the Spanish Armada did. And uh, the Spanish Armada, Armada is a whole bunch of ships, and they sailed onto land, and, and the, the general got them all off the ships, and then he burnt the ships. He said, there's no going back. The escape route's gone. Um, we're going forward. That's the only direction we're going in, is forward. And even tonight, some of you may need to make that decision. Say, Lord, I'm burning the ships on the beach. I want to burn those ships. I want to go forward. I don't want an escape route. I don't want to go back to the world. I know when I got saved, 1980, 20, my birthday soon, 26th of October, 1980, I got saved, born again. And I, I mean, I burnt everything. I, that, I literally broke things, gave things away. Uh, and I walked away from so much stuff of this world because I realized I got a grip on me. I'm, a, what do you, I'm not, I'm not uh, obsessive compulsive. I hate the, anything with a D on the end. They're not disorders. Um, I shouldn't be. And, uh, but I'm, very, I'm hyper-focused. So whatever I do, I hyper-focus, and I do it 100%. So when I got saved, I was sharing yesterday in Bethlehem, there's this guy called General William Booth who, who started the Salvation Army. You may have heard of them. They, they still exist. Um, they've become more leaning towards a charity these days. But in the 1800s in America and England, they were on fire for God. I mean, really on fire. And, and um, they came to General William Booth at the end of his life. And they said, William Booth, because they, they gave themselves ranks and stuff. And they said, William Booth, how did your, how, why did your life count so much for God? He said, because God got all of William Booth. And that's such a powerful statement. You know, tonight, can you say and insert your name there? God has got all and put your name there. I would encourage you to do that. I want you to feel safe when you do that. I want you to know that God is safe. He's a good God. He may not, you may have seen things in your life. You may have experienced things. And you may sometimes have doubted, is God really good? Can I really trust Him? Is He, is he such a good God? Because we know there's mayhem and chaos in the world and, and babies die and things happen and there's wars and it doesn't all make sense sometimes. But we know that this world is broken. It's broken. It's so broken that it's been for thousands of years. And the only time peace will come was when Jesus comes back for his bride. And he's coming back for his bride. And he's asked the bride to get herself ready. And this tonight, even, he said, teach them to obey all I've commanded. Well, I'm, I'm hoping to teach you to, tonight to obey Jesus, the things that he's commanded. In other words, position yourself. Give your heart 100% to him. Say, Lord, here am I. Get all of me, Lord. I'm not partial. I'm not going to hold back anything. But Lord, I want to present all of myself to you that you might use me, and I don't know what that's going to look like. It doesn't mean you're all going to go into full-time ministry and things like that, because full-time ministry is in the workplace. Wherever I was in the workplace, that was my full-time ministry. That's where God wanted me, and my main primary focus of, that, of being there was for God's glory and to reach people for the lost. I've said there's three legs to the pot. First one is vertical to God and our relationship with Him. If you don't have a relationship with God, you've got nothing. You've got nothing. The second would be 
because um, he gave two commands. One is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Everything, like everything. And the second he said is like it, is like it. Love your brother as, your, as yourself. Uh, love your brother as I have loved you. So he, he actually the old, that was actually in the Old Testament, that command. But he added the bit extra, like as I have loved you. In other words, he laid his life down for, his, for us. He came to die for us. We call to lay our life down for one another. And that doesn't mean a physical death. That means a, a, a selfishness death. Like, I don't feel like seeing you tonight. I don't feel like going, you've got a problem. You need someone to help move your house. But guess what? I'm going to be there. I'm going to sacrifice my own wants and desires. And I'm going I'm to love you. Because he said, Jesus said, they will know uh, um, you by the love you have one for another. They'll know me, about me. You'll show to be my disciples. My goodness, that scripture, I forgot. I remember my, people, our neighbors sometimes, when, when guys all pitched up and were helping us move, and they'd come across and say, who are all these people? How are they church people? What? What are church people? You know? And they all got jobs and they got businesses, but here they are, coming to help move and putting themselves there. That's brotherly, sisterly love, going out of your way when it's inconvenient. Um, convenient love is not difficult, but inconvenient love it can be difficult to be there for one another when, you, when someone needs you. And the third leg of the, of the church is to go with the good news of Jesus. We've got good news to share with the world. Not bad news. we actually got really good news. That you don't have to pay for your sins. You don't have to go to hell for all eternity. That there's a God who came and made a way for us. That we might have it go to heaven and be with him for all eternity. We've actually, the gospel means good news. And we've only got this life to live out that leg of the church. The, in eternity, we can love God and we can love each other. And we have plenty of time to do that. But here on this earth, we've got one opportunity to love the world and to tell them about Jesus. And if, you're not, if you don't feel you're courageous tonight, uh, let's pray that you, tonight you will be courageous. That you'll break fear of man. And you'll break all fear of sharing about Jesus. And that you'll say, Lord, I don't care if I lose friends. I don't care if I lose pop, become unpopular. I don't care if people laugh behind my back. Because, um, you know, you should be unoffend, inof, unoffendable. Are you like that? Are you unoffendable? Because dead people are not able to be offended. I've been around dead people before. If I tell them, listen, you look ugly, they will not be worried about that comment, you know. Because um, they're dead. They feel nothing, you know. I say, you've lost your house, by the way. The, do you know the interest rate's gone up? They don't care. They're not there. They've left the building. Um, this is referred to as a tent, uh, earthly tent. Um, they don't worry. And if you should be dead. If you, you came to Christ, you came to Jesus, you're dead to self. You don't belong to you anymore. You belong to him. And so nobody can offend you about your, your race, your gender, your language, your culture. You should be inoffendable. Un, is it, what's the right word? Unoffendable? Inoffend, huh? Unoffendable. You think any experts here, any English lecturers, teachers can correct me? Um, not in bloom, okay. <laughs> What's the Afrikaans word for being offended? Uh, <laughs> Alas. Yeah, so, but really think about it, you know, because that, we should be, you're asking each other now, everyone's confused. Google it quickly, someone. Uh, I'm Googling words all the time. Pardon? Okay, okay, we'll keep it in the back pocket, okay. But you get the points. Do not, do not be someone, we're living in a world that loves to be offended and take, take offense. 
you know, um, I, I don't feel comfortable in this situation. Well, grow up then and, and be comfortable, you know. It's, it's a rough world. Jesus said, in this world, you will have hardship. You know, imagine Jesus going to the cross and, oh, you're offending me, you bunch, you know, and you're calling me names now and, and you're pulling out my beard and you're beating me and, you know, really, he took it on for us so we might live. So let's be a people who bulletproof and, and, and so we can take the gospel and guys can come in here and feel loved and know that they'll be accepted. Um, you know, we get all sorts of different people coming in here. We should love them as Christ would love them. Don't judge them by what you see um, and, you know, in terms of their also. I don't, should I, I don't know what to say in this context. <laughs> um, pardon? Yeah, yeah. I'm not afraid to, to say stuff. I'm really not, you know, because as a church, we're in trouble already, the Human Rights Commission. Um, <laughs> in for a penny and for a pound, as we say in English. Uh, let's go for bust. Go for broke. Um, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14. I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the Gospels, Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I'm sending you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who's faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So are you imitatable? We might, we're actually going to need young fathers and mothers in the church. So don't let age uh, neutralize you or nullify you in any way. Um, so some of you are going to have to be moms and dads before your time because you're going to become spiritual, spiritually mature uh, beyond your physical years. Because Some of you are going to grow beyond older people. Uh, Paul even said to Timothy, do not let them despise your youth. He says, don't, you don't let them despise your youth. Don't allow it. And so in your youthfulness, there are many youthful people here tonight. Um, be bold in Jesus. Don't be rude. I mean, Afrikaans, I suppose a lot of you are Afrikaans. And Afrikaans have got an incredibly good culture in terms of respect. Um, I led an Afrikaans congregation for 10 years until recently. And I learned such a lot of the respect for and, and towards people. And uh, don't lose, you know, don't, that's a strength. So don't lose it. And, and use it. For, it's a godly strength. It's a godly uh, quality that you have. Uh, in, in African cultures as well, very respectful towards older people, incredibly respectful. And we learn from all different cultures. But we mostly, we're not, we're not culturally bound though. We don't, we don't serve God through our culture. We serve God through Christian culture. Um, that's a totally different thing altogether. We can never let our culture dominate the word of God and, and the, the culture, the biblical culture that God wants us to have. Um, because then we're going we're gonna to get this all back to front. Um, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female. He's talking about a vertical relationship of salvation and um, all these things we've got to bring under Christ and into, under Jesus. So let's be those who be imitatable when people look at you and they, they see Jesus. And, and let Jesus be formed in you. Let him just take over completely in terms of, of how you should be in your values. You know, we're not a purpose-driven church. We're a values-driven church. What are the kingdom values? Not just gen values, not fortile values. Because that just reflects kingdom values. So we're not asking to be Josh Jenner's. We're not asking to be four twelvers. We're asking to be people of the kingdom of God. Um, we're not here to build Josh Jenner and, and, uh, as a brand or four twelve as a brand. That's not our purpose. It's not our objective. Our objective is to be, bring people into the kingdom of God and to show them and demonstrate them how believers can live. So they should be 
They should be blown away by us, by the way we live our lives for Christ, our priorities, the way we prioritize finance, you know, and we, we present everything before Jesus. We filter everything through Jesus. Lord, does this please you? Is this going to reflect you well? Is this going to show the world Jesus by my, in terms of my life? So everything you do, let it be f- completely saturated in Jesus, that he may dominate every aspect of your life. And it's a beautiful domination. You know, we're so against domination and subjugation and all the other allegations and, allega- and allegations. <laughs> no, I'm getting carried away here. And, um, you know, just we're so worried about these things. And we, look, don't let the world influence the church. It's influencing the church way, way, way too much at the moment. We're seeing church after church ca- collapse in their values and that they stood for for thousands of years. And suddenly, whoa, we think we got this wrong. And guess what? The world's been shouting that for 10, 20 years already. And so suddenly the church, it's humanism coming into the church on a grand scale. And as the believers, we've got to stand firm. We've got to be courageous in this time of standing for truth. You will not be popular. Jesus warned you. You will not be popular. You'll be hated. He said, I, I was hated. You're going to be hated as well. So brace yourself for that. Prepare yourself for that. Don't get shocked by it. Okay? Some of us may be thrown in jail and and things may happen. The Bible says they had their property confiscated and taken away. And they rejoiced before God because they, they knew that they, they, this is not the kingdom they're building. That's the kingdom they're building. They're building towards Him. So if you can settle these things tonight, you will be strong in God. And God will be able to use you for His glory. But if you're going to wrestle these things and struggle with them and, and, and still hold them just a little bit over here, you're going to struggle. Because at some stage, the world's going to come and say, ask you to make a stand. What do you stand for? And if you've been hanging on to a little bit of the world, you're going to struggle. You won't be ready. Um, you know, Jesus even warned us in Revelation that, that uh, the lukewarm Christians are probably the worst place. He says, rather be hot or cold. And sometimes I've said to guys, hey, listen, guys, when guys are messing around, they're struggling to settle down and, and really pick a line and following the Lord. I said, well, go and sin, but go and sin properly. Go, 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 to, the, go to the gutter. Go, really, and I'm serious. Um, because then, you must, then you'll find out you really need Jesus. The most unhappy person is someone who's playing with the kingdom of God. They just, they love the benefits of the kingdom of God. Guess what? You come into this place, people love you. They're kind. They're nice. They, they're friendly. And it's very easy to get caught up in, in all this. And listen, I'm a veteran of, of walking in the Lord for 43 years. I've seen so many people fall away. They start out lightning and crash like thunder. They just don't make it when the world temptations come their way the cares of this world, the temptation of this world. And the, like I said, the devil, he, we watch it as pastors. We watch it over and over as elders, how the devil just comes and we watch guys sort of move away and they start giving their reasons. And you can just see it a mile away. The devil's just got you. It's obvious. And they think now they, they really got to making a wise decision. They, they're so clever in the way they're thinking and, and the way they're responding. And it's just so sad to watch many. The Bible says many are called, but not all will go through. Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the gate. It's hard to hear that sometimes, hey, because we want the gate to be wide. Everybody come through. Jesus said, no, narrow is the gate. Jesus came and preached. He did miracles, incredible miracles. He fed people. Uh, dead were raised, blind saw. And guess what? Only 120 were waiting for him in the upper room. Only 120 out of thousands. Over three years, m- preaching, seeing the power of God at first hand. And we've seen it before. It's incredible. Guys will jump on Sundays and weep before God and prophetic words over their lives and go out and sin and, and you know, just, just not, and fall away. 
So let's fight for every person, not fight with them, let's fight for them. You know, we, we're resting in the spirit. Our, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. The dem- there are demonic powers at work all the time. And, and often in society, we, just, we don't recognize it. Our radar is not good at picking up what the devil is doing. We think, oh, that's not so bad. That's, you know, I'm sure God will be okay with it. And maybe he's not. Did you ever get counsel? Are you a good disciple? Are you finding out if that is the truth or not? 2 Timothy 2, 1 verse 1 to 7. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardships with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets caught up in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer, which is Jesus. Similarly, If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. So are you reliable people? Can we entrust these things to you? He said, entrust these things that I've taught you. So I'm teaching you tonight. Can can we trust these things to you to go and teach to other people? Are you going to be reliable with, with what God's given to you? Because He's given you a gift, a precious gift of, of salvation. And He's also given you a gift of living your life out in this life. And will you treat that gift as precious? Will you? Because He's asked you to. And you're going to stand before Him one day. And every Bible says every person, every person must give an account for their life. If you're born again, there's the first judgment, you will not be affected by it. If you're not born again, the first judgment, you will go out of God's presence and, and into hell. That's very clear in Scripture. But I know, guys, I don't want to speak about that much. It sounds too nasty and ugly, but it's the reality. And the second judgment is, Bible says, for Christians, where they'll be judged according to the things they've done in the body. So what are we doing in the body? We've, what are we doing with our bodies? Is there purity amongst us? Is there holiness? He called us to be a holy people. A sanctified people, a called out people, those who, who reflect Him. Are you reflecting Him? I'm just provoking you this, tonight in the Spirit because God is desperate for us to, to serve Him well and to run our race well right to the end. But it takes starting with a good decision, saying, Lord, here am I. Take all of me. I belong to you. You, you bought me at the most, I'm the most, you know, you're the most expensive thing on the planet because you're bought with the blood of Jesus. There's nothing more expensive than that, nothing more pricier or costly than the blood of Jesus over your life. So you are precious. You belong to Him. If you, if you surrender your life to Him, you belong to Him. You've been marked in the Holy Spirit. You've been, there's a seal upon your life and that God has given you. And He's, he's given you His grace in order to live in this life and, and come through right to the end in a beautiful way. That you'd be a reliable person. How am I doing for time? Shall we land? Just give me a minute while I just regroup on some of my scriptures. Um, I might just cut out that and go to this. This is not a show. It's a family moment.
to the Lord. So let me finish. Can we put up John 13? Let's land with that one. A new command I give you, as I mentioned, as what I mentioned earlier, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we're going to, I'm going to ask you guys to respond now. Um, it's good, you know, it's good to respond. To good. If God's speaking to us, and I really, I'm hoping I'm reflecting well in terms of His word. It's not my words. Please don't, uh, yeah, I'm just a messenger. So, um, but let if God, God's speaking to you through His word tonight, then take it, absorb it, and say, Lord, yes, me. I want to present myself to you tonight and fre- freshly and say, Lord, here am I. It's a daily thing, isn't it? Where we come to Him on a daily basis and say, God, here am I. It's a regular thing. You don't sort of one-off experience. It's a continuous working out of our salvation with fear and trembling and saying, Lord, here am I. I trust you, God. I want you to put your name in there that God, does God get all of you. If you can't do that, don't do it. Okay, be, be honest because God loves honesty. So if you, God can't get all of your heart, if you can't say, Lord, he has all my heart, and your heart is your decision-making place, um, the will of God, don't say it. But if you can say it tonight, Say it and, and trust him. You're falling back in his arms and saying, Lord, here am I. I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what it means, but I know you're a good God. And I want to fall back in your arms and say, Lord, take all of me. I want you to get 100%. If someone interviews me at the end of my life, at the, I won't be able to say, God, got all of Russell Fraser. That's what I want to be able to say. I know I'm still far from perfect and God's still working in me, but I want, him to know, I want the Lord to know he's got all of my heart. I'll do anything to please him. Let's stand. Let's stand. These are key moments in our journey with the Lord on this earth. They are really key. They, they're more significant than you realize. It feels like this on Monday night, coming out, hearing, worshiping, singing some songs before the Lord and hearing his word and being taught. Um, but these are key times which, which can determine the rest of your life and determine your eternity even. It will affect everything you do in this life affects your eternity. So let's pray. Let's, let's pray together. And if you want to pray this with me, I'm, I'm basically going to be praying along the lines that I've been sharing. Okay, if you feel to pray this prayer with me, then pray. It's going to be very simple, very short, and, uh, but let's pray together. Dear Lord, we come before you tonight and we bring our hearts to you. That Lord, you, we know that you came to die for us. That we might live. That we might reflect you with our lives. That we might live out our lives to glorify your name. And Lord, I want to be able to say, that you got all of me. Here am I, Lord. I present myself tonight for you to be Lord of my life and that I can worship you with my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It may seem a simple prayer, but the Lord sees our hearts. We look at the outside. The Lord looks at our hearts. And I really believe, I'm convinced that God saw our hearts tonight. That He's aware of our 
our weaknesses, our struggles. And if any of you are struggling tonight, I want to pray over you that, that the Lord will make himself so clear to you. Father, I pray over the, the, us as Josh Jen, uh, at Bloemfontein, who your people who gathered in your name. That Lord, if there's anything that we're struggling with and trusting you and, and following you in anything, that Lord, we would get breakthrough by presenting ourselves and trusting in you, Lord, and bringing that thing into the light. If there's anything that you need to bring into the light, then please do so for your sake. For your sake. The devil works in darkness and shadows, and he loves to keep us in guilt and shame. And the Lord's come to set us free from guilt and shame. He's come to set us free. He wants us to walk in the light as he's in the light. So if anything in your heart right now that you need to bring out, please come and speak to one of the, the leaders, one of the elders, elders' wives, deacons. And just say, help me, walk with me, pray with me. And that will see you set free and come into more in the Lord Jesus. Because God's got great things planned for every person in this room. Greater than you realize. Dream big. Because God's dreaming big over your life. Dream big. The Lord gives us dreams of, of what we can look like in terms of our lives. That we would shine and glorify Him with everything we've got. One life to live. Let's live it well for His name. Praise you, Lord. the scripture in Proverbs 15 verse 11 that says death and destruction lie open before the Lord how much more do human hearts and I just felt the Lord say like he's he knows exactly what's going on in death and destruction how much more does he know what's going on in our hearts nothing is too complicated for God he knows the things anyways to share something that Russell quite often speaks about. Most of you are quite young, so you're standing at the beginning of your life and there's something called the angle of deviation, which means that um, if you start at the beginning of an angle, and if you walk straight, then you're walking a straight line, but if you start off and you turn slightly to one side, as you walk further and further, you're getting the, the distance between where you are and where you should be gets bigger and bigger. Have I explained that well? So I think, you know, what Russell was talking about tonight, that thing of setting your face in the way that God wants you to be and determining to walk in that way because the fruitfulness of your life, you'll, you know, Russell and I are old now. <laughs> Our hair is white and you can look back and see all those little decisions you make, the if you walk straight in God's way or if you deviate, where will you end up? Will you end up being where God wants you to be or will you be off somewhere else? 